This is the one with the brandy of the damned. Two sides, one coin. And Bertie goddamn Bassett. It's called the Happiness Patrol. Happiness Happiness will will prevail. prevail. (laughs) We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalek boot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales. Reviewing all of who there is Who back when Subscribe and read on iTunes please Episode by episode We're trudging down this temporal road Come join us on this odyssey What other choice could there be than Who back when Who back when What up podcast land And welcome to what is sure to be One of the happiest episodes of Who back when A Doctor Who podcast Or Doc past He says Dang smiling Dang right it is <laughs> Dang right it is. Holy moly, Podcast Land, I am your happy host tonight. I am Leon, and I am talking to the ever-jovial, ever-felicitous Jim Cakes. Hello, Jim. Hello, Leon. Hello, Podcast Land. I am so happy. No frowns on this face whatsoever. (laughs) Please don't shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) Jim Cakes. How do you feel about the fact that we've finally gotten to the Bertie Bassett episode? I mean, I didn't know that we had a milestone of the Bertie Bassett episode (laughs) in our future. But now it's in my past is like, oh my goodness, that was a thing. (laughs) No, actually, that was quite amazing. (laughs) I quite enjoyed watching this serial. I quite enjoyed the Bertie Bassett ripoff. Oh, I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased to hear that. And I'm not just lying because I don't want to be shot. (laughs) (laughs) I am so happy to hear that you really enjoyed this episode because... Dude Meister, let me tell you, this whole serial makes me want to vomit. And I cannot <laughs> wait to get into it with you. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> but what is it exactly, one might ask? Well, there's only one way to find out. Shall we be scout? Let's. Time for us to synopsize, lubify and summarize So take a view, and grab a brief, and listen to this overview This free-for-all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who Bite-sized chunk of who For reasons irrelevant to the story, the seventh Doctor and Ace go to Terra Alpha, a human colony where the prevailing government decree is, don't worry, be happy, or else, the pink-wigged, laser-cannon-wielding ladies of the Happiness Patrol enforce this law, treating glum dissidents to either death by fondant drowning, or recruitment into their ranks, which usually involves death by laser. Head pink-wig Helen A. has her partner whipped. Her pet dog trained to murder the rat people living in the sewers. Oh yeah, there are rat people. And a head executioner in the guise of Bertie Goddamn Bassett in an act of bizarre satire gone astray. Doc and Ace must now team up with a random blues harmonica player to prevent this society from practicing its presumably democratically chosen laws. B-Scout over. You are welcome. (laughs) Aren't you just... Dude Meister, please explain what it is that you liked about this serial. <laughs> I mean, let's be clear here. This isn't getting a five from me. But I feel, I don't know, I just feel like there was a lot of heart to this. There was a lot of thought behind okay. it. Bertie Bassett, the candy man, I saw pictures of this and was ready to ridicule the shit out of him. It, whatever. <laughs> 
but actually the first scene at least maybe it wavers a bit after that but the first scene this was some creepy oh yeah badass villain shit going on there like as a child i would have been screaming behind the sofa that's for sure instant bedwetter yeah no absolutely (laughs) i completely agree with you Bertie Bassett is an inspired choice. Hats off to them. Yeah. Inspired. Yeah. Creepy as hell, but somehow weirdly not that big a character in this serial. No. He's described as the head executioner. He doesn't actually really execute anyone. Just that one chap, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. He does drown one chap in fondant. But but that's it. Yeah. It's not the most effective villain we've ever seen. That's for sure. Spends (laughs) probably more time stuck to the floor than actually doing anything villain like yeah but also why is the candy man yeah no that's my question why is the candy man <laughs> why this serial otherwise doesn't have a sweet tooth theme to it so why have the head executioner be bertie bassett and is this like this isn't a, an official bassett's licorice sponsored serial of doctor who i assume no no it is not The bit of trivia I read, in fact, which didn't have a citation actually on Wikipedia, so take this with a huge grain of salt, it actually claimed that, is it round trees that do all sorts? Hang on, I've lost my note. Oh no, Bassett's, of course. (laughs) Oh, of course, yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Bertie Bassett, Bassett's. (laughs) They probably got bought out over the years. All right, don't write in. But yeah, they complained that this was such an obvious ripoff of their trademark character. It Uh, certainly is. BBC agreed not to do it again. (laughs) Oh, that was the settlement? We've already done it. It's too late. We'll not do it again. It was shit. (laughs) Wow. But uh, this doesn't have a citation. I don't know where this has come from. Well, that's very interesting regardless. Yeah. It seems pretty clear you wouldn't... I think if you're the type of company that Bassett's is where you're appealing to families and stuff, you don't want your trademark character to appear as a villain in a TV show, even if it's... No, certainly not. Doctor Who. Yeah. No, I don't think so. But, like, why is the Candyman... We get a weird pseudo-retro rewrite sort of element after the Candyman gets killed of the guy... Yes. One of the Killjoys, I forget his name exactly, who's basically saying, yeah, I created this thing... Like, I intentionally made... Is he a killjoy? Yeah, he's the yeah. the guy who works with him in the kitchen. He, yeah. I believe... Is he Gilbert? I think he might be Gilbert. Oh, I have no idea, and I care <laughs> about as much. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he's Gilbert M. Okay. Okay. Yes. No, and you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. That's so he about. has a scene with... I called him the head killjoy. The guy that seems to be married to the head happiness patrol lady who is really running the whole whole show that they have a moment basically seeing the corpse of the candy man appear down this chute but then a very weird scene of gilbert m saying oh yeah i made the candy man he's my creation i came from this planet where i was exiled for releasing a germ which killed half the population and i brought the skeleton the skeleton <laughs> yeah. of the candy man with me and reanimated him or something with sweets. I don't... What the fuck? <laughs> that seems to be the explanation. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That is almost verbatim what I've written in my notes for part three as well. 
It comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Why did he... So wait, hang on. He had built the Candyman. He creates this germ. He releases a germ into the food of this planet or whatever. Into the yeah. into the population anyway. Kills everyone. Was the Candyman somehow related to that? Had he already created the Candyman beforehand? I don't know. Was the Candyman part of the problem? Did the Candyman produce this germ? Was the Candyman the germ? Like... I don't understand no, how this connects to I can't anything. That. <laughs> we did not need that. And if we needed it, we needed it yeah. way earlier. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm totally on board with not understanding this and totally agreeing that for a character like this, <laughs> you've 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 asked the audience to, you know, suspend their disbelief a hell of a lot by just saying, here is yeah. a walking candy bar. <laughs> um, yeah. That, you're could, right. Could have done with the explanation <laughs> earlier, and even when it comes, it's a weird, nonsensical explanation. Oh my god, no! It's it's absolutely mad. Not the only plot point I feel that is introduced in the last minutes, because you know there's a demonstration that happens of yeah. the buzzkills, killjoys, whatever. Towards the end, when is her name Helen yes. A. Heads pink wig, she goes, she like turns on the news or something, and it says. Or someone tells her, the factories have fallen to the rebels. I don't remember there being rebels, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> first off. And factories, question mark? What? We don't know what kind of society this is. We don't know what they manufacture. We don't understand why there are factories. She is legitimately You're ruling You're making some society. very good points, what? adjusting what? my score. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, you've already written a score. That's very interesting. <laughs> I Yeah, I only finished watching the last episode mere like an hour before we started recording. I watched the first part yeah. pretty early this week. So that's not as clear as in my head as the end is. But I also haven't had time to fully digest this. I'm aware there are lots of weird plot things. What I'm mostly going on at the moment, why I'm being <laughs> positive, is just the feeling I got through watching it and just the absolute audacity Good. of how insane this serial is. Absolutely, yeah. Why don't you inject some positivity into this review? Because I feel like I'm going to be massively negative <laughs> well, <laughs> towards this serial. And I really do apologize I mean, to everyone. I don't. In particular, I'm not that fussed about way. being positive or being negative. You know, we just talk, shoot the breeze, man. But I think the thing I have stuck around my head that I would <laughs> like you to chime in on is whether this is just like bizarrely yeah. similar vibe to other serials we've seen and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. So the ones I'm I'm thinking of, basically, oh. it, have we really established a, a format and a feeling for the seventh Doctor we maybe didn't have for other Doctors? Because we've had things like, I can't even remember the name of the serial or the name of the groups of people, but where we had the groups of, they were all, I think they were all women, and they were color-coded in little tribes. That's, yes. It's that same kind of dystopia. Yep. Oh, that was the, the high-rise um, one. That the high-rise thing. Yeah. It's that kind of idea it, yeah. of a society broken down and re rebuilding itself in a weird way. And this has the same sort of vibe. Yeah. That someone's just latched onto one particular thing. So Helen A doesn't like people being sad and somehow the society has warped itself around this idea. That's very true. Actually, that's a really, really good comparison. So maybe it's just a trope or a, a fad at the Beeb that is currently what is in vogue and everyone is yeah. trying to emulate. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't hold up entirely. Definitely the Daleks one, I don't think, felt like this. The one we had to remember it's the Daleks last time. No, but the one with, what was it called? Ice World? You know, where What's-His-Face was... It was also a totalitarian society. And uh, yeah, effectively, 
with the exception of what's the one with not Ace? I can't remember what that one was called. Where they go back to 1950s. Uh, oh, is that Delta and the Bannerman? Holiday camp. That's the one, yeah. With the exception of Delta and the Bannerman, possibly every single McCoy serial to date has had some kind of totalitarian society. Even in Time of the Rani, or Time and the Rani, you have the Rani as yes. the totalitarian ruler who has imposed very strict, like bizarrely, it's either black or white. There is zero gray area for how you behave in the society. And if you misbehave, we'll just kill you with whatever they were called. The guys who were just yeah, hanging yeah. out in the orgy pits, in the orgy disco. So you've got the exact same thing happening here. You have to behave in a particular way. If you don't, you're going to buy it. Paradise Towers, you have to behave in a particular way. You have to live as a perfect tenant. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to buy it. You're onto something here. I think that's this might be what is iconic of this particular I think, this particular I think doctor. It could well be. Maybe it won't play out for all of them, that's for sure. Or or there'll be exceptions to prove the rule sort of thing. And I think the production, like we mm. latched onto this a couple of serials ago, like it suddenly felt really 80s. Even though we've been in the 80s for ages, like suddenly it just like, oh, this is 100% 80s. I think, yeah. I think the production just hit an 80s note, the script, the tone, everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now I feel like that just is embedded. Either it's embedded in my brain or it's embedded in the whole production team. And it's just, it hasn't left that, I feel like. And so we've got a very similar production yeah. style. We've got a very similar setup of, what do we say, like grand topics of you know morality and totalitarian stakes dystopia i don't know I, i'm not saying it's a bad thing i just i'm intrigued that it I, i'm glad that you kind of are picking up on it as well but like is this yeah oh no you've got me so do you see it as a bad thing Absolutely. or a good thing or just a thing <laughs> i see it more as a thing so too even if it's a good thing because i guess once or twice it is a good thing but too much of a good thing turns into yeah. repetitive <sighs> I don't want to call it nonsense. I don't want to say that it's vacuous in any way, but it, it does become very tropey and doesn't pack the same punch if we see it every single week. That being said, it is also different enough from the other ones. Okay, you know what? H here's the thing. I think, yes, you're right about all the, uh, the totalitarianism, but I think in addition to that, there's another thing that is just plastered across all of these, with the exception, again, of Delta and the Bannerman. And that is that it is a blatant, in-your-face allegory of a certain moral mm. concept. Whatever it is. Paradise Towers might be the most obvious one. And here, yeah, I read somewhere that this was a Thatcher-era critique. I don't know enough about the Thatcher-era, personally, to be able to assess that. But... It does seem like, right, well, you need to be a happy, productive member of society because if you're not, then why are you part of the society? There's a very basic moral code behind yeah. the episode, is what I mean. Like really scaled back and Which I basic. Think it's, it's the second time this has popped into my head and the second time I'm vocalizing it on the podcast that I get new Who vibes because of stuff like that. And oh, I think. Is there a well, particular I think, one that's... Is I that? think there is a new Who one where... Is it the... Oh, they're on like Spaceship Britain or whatever, something like that. And there's a, the whale and they, they literally have That's one of them, yes. Smiler that is characters absolutely that, one of you them. know, if you're doing bad shit or whatever, you yep. never get a frowny face. I don't know. And then there is... Exactly. And it was like, if you're dumb, then you're relegated to the underground. If you're a kid and you do 
yeah. badly in your tests, <laughs> then we're going to feed you to the Which whale. <laughs> it's not necessarily Doctor Who eating. Ah, okay. The beast It's not necessarily Doctor Who called. eating itself. It's more just, you know, uh, the, these are tropes that go through sci-fi. And then the other one, which I think is... Hmm. Oh, yeah. So, please, you go There's you go another ahead, one. I'm hogging yeah. the mic. No, no. Go for it. Go for it. I bet you were going to think of... The... No, no. Please, please, please. I'm sure is that we're thinking the, of the exact same one? episode. Should we say it at the same time? Yes. Smile. Is it called? Three, two, one. Smile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I got the name right. I was just That's like, right. oh shit, what is it? actually cool? I just can picture the little robots. <laughs> yeah, isn't that kind of? I mean, it's not the same thing exactly, but you have to be happy or project happiness. Oh, yeah. If you don't, I mean, then you're killed. You you strip back the concept; they are yeah. identical. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure someone in podcast lands would have to double check this, but I'm sure someone in podcast land at the time made a reference to this right. clue serial. I mean, they they must have been aware of this serial and the similarities when they wrote Smile and or at least were producing Smile. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think obviously they're worlds apart in terms of scope and story structure, I think. Like this feels more embedded in like like you've saying this kind of totalitarian authoritative even kind of way which is where the Thatcherist stuff comes in which we could circle back to and it, okay. yeah i don't know i also kind of get weird like 1984 vibes from it which i think is just that mm. there's an authority yeah. you have to agreed play by the rules kind of concept yeah maybe it's just that yeah and there's also an element of like emotional yeah, suppression yeah true or rather emotion suppression yeah which which feels very it's 1984 and fahrenheit 451 or equilibrium, <laughs> if you're a fan of Tay Diggs and <laughs> Christian Bale. And, wait, hang on. Do you know who else is in equilibrium? It's just dawned on me. Oh, yeah. Sean Pertwee. Yeah. Yeah. Son of the there third doctor. No tangent yeah. at all. There you go. It's... Podcast land. Yeah. Pens down. <laughs> no, this reference made sense. <laughs> but yeah, I think the fact that you have yeah. these different factions of people sets it apart from, say, Smile, for example. And then... Hmm. gives you the scope to say well this is obviously being a satire on the current state of the uk government at the time which was thatcher and i'm pretty sure it's quite clear so helen a is played by none other than sheila hancock who i don't know her from a lot of okay. stuff actually but i know her like she is a big name she's been in so much okay i thought you were gonna say <laughs> oh yeah she played thatcher in <laughs> Well, basically, I think she's on record saying, like, I hated Thatcher. I was doing a Thatcher impression sort of thing. Oh, right. I think okay, yeah. maybe that... Well, the fact that they have a yeah, female I mean, head of state in a BBC-run show at the time of Thatcher is... That, that seems I mean, big. it can obviously not mean anything, but yeah, it seems like it was intentional, at least from that point of view. And I think the fact you have these... Yeah. They don't seem to be the rebels, these killjoys that are protesting. But you have basically a workforce that is protesting. In the 80s, you had the minor strikes. And when the mines were shut down, like, you know, these are these yep. are big policies that were enacted by Thatcher, which not universally hated, but in certain circles, universally hated. Yeah, exactly. The right circles. <laughs> <Right. No. laughs> Everyone's welcome to their opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think there are some direct comparisons here, but I have seen through the trivia that some people have questioned like how intentional some of these lines are being drawn or whether some people are reading too much into it but i think there is an intention here that's for sure that they are pretending this is you know a commentary on on thatcher 
Sure. And yeah. Okay. Well, I'm happy to accept that, but I do think that it is as satires go. I feel mean for saying this, but I feel like it's a failure because it's all it's achieving is to display a caricature. It doesn't actually provide any kind of yeah critique. You know, there's no there's no real moral to be taken away from this. There's also no. There's no real comeuppance. There's no lesson learned at the end. No. It's pro- the problem is it's a On bit too one-dimensional to really have any weight in any direction anyway. So they have obviously, the, yeah. not a twist, but the kind of comeuppance for Helen A where she spends, uh, God knows how long, probably two minutes saying to Doc how bad basically being sad is. Emotions are, you know, love isn't a good concept either. And then she saw, sees her poor Fifi pin and fifi dying on the floor (laughs) and then just floods of tears she's you know totally lost it and this this is what love and sadness can really do to a person sort of thing and you know oh she should have known this all along how powerful these emotions are and you can't just sweep them away you know it's trying to say something but i'm with you that yeah this is fails yeah unfortunately sorry anyone in podcast land who loves this but you're right there's that whole why would you ever be sad? Oh no, here's my dog dying. Yes. I'm now sad. Kind of lesson. There's also the unspoken bit of she says, I don't believe in love. She's just lost her partner, yeah. by the way. Her partner has betrayed her, left her with uh, what's his face? Gilbert. Yeah. Gilbert? Gilbert M. And and she says, I don't believe in love, perhaps as a means of clarifying that she isn't mourning the loss of Gilbert, not Gilbert, the loss of her partner. But she clearly loved that dog (laughs) or that dog monster. (laughs) That's the true love story of this episode or the serial. No, you know what? Fuck it. No, I'm not taking I'm not taking it back. This is (laughs) not a moral. (laughs) Did you want to talk about Fifi? Shall we talk about Fifi? Pick up an ever so slightly different tangent very quickly. Because I don't I don't think there is much in this. Yeah. But it was another interesting read on this, which is that there is some queer representation like some storylines and themes around queer struggles and stuff like that and one of them is that gilbert and her partner yeah that they have some liaison and they leave together they are leaving together he's no longer with her he's gone off with a man you know and yeah oh well uh, fair enough if that's the case i'm very happy for them However, I don't think that we, aside from the execution scene, the sort of failed execution that results in the death of the Candyman, aside from that, do we ever get to see those two characters in the same room? Uh, possibly not. Gilbert it's, and... I'm not quite husband. sure. Gilbert does wander in and out of, like, whatever, I don't know, the leader's throne room. I don't know, the functional throne room. I, su- I suppose. So maybe he does interact with yeah, they might her partner. Yeah. Might share maybe, a scene. Yeah, I don't think they really yeah. converse in the same way, though. Okay. Well, if that's them finally allowing their relationship to come to fruition, then I'm incredibly happy for them. I do kind of wish that either we had seen some sort of build-up towards it, or some kind of acknowledgement of it at the end, though. I mean, that could have been quite a nice message, actually, that she had treated him like shit, and it doesn't even have to be like an obvious, well, he was gay all along, or something like that. It's just... He's found exactly. Yeah. Gilbert treats me better than you do. You don't Gilbert appreciates. You don't have me. to express you never did. about 
sexuality or anything. It's just purely that, yeah, I'm going to go yeah. be with someone who actually gives a shit. Exactly, yeah. That's an interesting reading. I there are a couple of other things that were listed as, as basically backing up this gay subtext, saying that there's an entrapment over cottaging, oh, yeah? which I did not pick up on that. I don't know what this reference is, to be honest. The TARDIS is painted pink. <laughs> wait, sorry. An entrap- wait, 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 wait. Cottaging, an entrapment yes. over cottaging? Wait, sorry. Cottaging is when you have sex with strangers, no strings attached, liaisons with strangers. Yeah. It's like dogging. I don't actually know what the difference is between dogging and cottaging. You have to do it in a public loo rather than just outside your car in a car park. Oh, I see. Wait, is that true? Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Is that true? Are we referring to public loos as cottages? I'm not quite sure. Is that why it's called I think so. I've just hovered over the link in Wikipedia where it's giving me this This information as well. (laughs) Confirming what I thought before anyway. Like, it was a term that was thrown around a lot when George Michael was arrested and stuff, so... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what this is. Yeah. Okay. Actually, you know what? Let's put a pin in whatever this is and let's pick (laughs) that up after we've pressed stop on this recording. You were saying something about... uh, I don't know how that fits into the the story (laughs) at all. But this is what someone reckons. But yeah, the TARDIS is painted... Maybe it's the undercover happiness patrol. You know, the guy who has the business card, Silas P. So maybe there's something like that. Like someone dares to be transgressive out in public not among lots of people it's always just like one person entirely on their own and silas p who is a happiness patrol undercover agent goes up to them goes hey i'm also transgressive why don't you confide in me and by confide i mean dot 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 and then he slaps the business card which is really a shit move by the way that is such a dick move here have my business card turn it (laughs) over undercover police bitch and then murder someone. That's a horrible thing to do. I mean, just fucking flash your badge, bro. Horrible in a good but, way. <laughs> yeah, I can see that as being a cottaging. Horrible in a good way, because he's the villain, and then that makes it a good villain. <laughs> okay, yes, that is true. Yeah, no, fine. That is true. Oh, yeah, obviously. Still, I'm not I mean, disputing it's a dick that. move. <laughs> but. <laughs> But I can see how that might be taken as an infiltration of cottaging, dogging, whatever it might be, being transgressive in a public space. Maybe. It's definitely entrapment. i just struggling to get the cottaging reference, but fine. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. It is. Let's maybe leave that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, well, nor I, really, to be honest. Yeah, um, like yeah, the other thing is <laughs> were listed were that the TARDIS is painted pink, which is obviously yep. it's just a colour that is in the show though, you know. But anyway. And that it was pink. I didn't like it by the way. Sorry, I like that the TARDIS gets painted pink, but I didn't like that they fixed it by painting it blue because they <laughs> also painted over the sign. This the whole sign, yeah. the whole thing gets painted. If you paint it blue, then the sign is now going to be blue. But the sign is perfectly white text on black background, like on a chalkboard background. Yeah. I know that's petty. That's incredibly petty. That's incredibly petty. I did enjoy it being painted. And I think there's another New Who reference to this later on. Because at some point, I think this is Capaldi? Doesn't the TARDIS get graffitied? During Clara times, it gets lots of swirls and flowers and stuff painted on it. I think think so, yeah. I can't quite picture it. Does it get bad wolf actually even way before that does it get some bad wolf scroll on it oh maybe yeah you're right yeah that's i think you're right yeah the i think that's a really nice touch in in a sense even though in 1980 whatever this is they obviously haven't thought of bad wolf or capaldi <laughs> but knowing that later on there's a callback to this in a sense makes me appreciate this yeah. serial a little bit more 
I I quite liked it that it was got it was painted as well. I was with you with yeah. That's not how you fix the fact that someone's painted it pink. <laughs> but I think yeah, it surprised me <laughs> that they were just painting it blue again. It's like does Doc just have a, like a canister of TARDIS blue <laughs> hanging around all the time just in case it needs a touch up? <laughs> I was kind of expecting them to dematerialize in a pink TARDIS. And just the pink paint uh, staying back. You know, they dematerialize inside the pink paint. He's a TARDIS condom. That's mind. it. The, like the paint isn't going to survive in the. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. The pink paint surely is not going to survive the time vortex. It's going to get rubbed off. But otherwise, yeah, you would have the sexy outline of a TARDIS in that, pink yeah, paint. That would be interesting. It's nice. It's good. <laughs> So you did put a pin in Fifi. Do you want to talk yeah, Fifi? Yeah, come on, let's talk Fifi. Oh, there I'm was sorry, one other off. gay thing, but this is taking far too long. Apparently, the, the guy that gets fondant to death <laughs> is wearing a pink triangle as uh -huh. well. Is a pink triangle a thing? I also don't know. <laughs> well, maybe it was at the time. Maybe it still is, and we're just yeah. ignorant of um, this. Sorry, podcast land. Oh, God. Yeah, it's is shitty Nazis again. <laughs> But much with stars oh. and oh, Jews, apparently pink trials, pink, pink triangles and LGBT. Yeah. So, but yeah, so it started obviously as a okay. badge of shame, as it were, and apparently got reclaimed. Interesting. Oh, very interesting. I had no idea about that. Yeah, there's clearly a sentiment behind this episode, but the fact that uh, the fact that you have to go researching in order to find out about it, I feel is yeah. kind of a failure. And I, I don't well, know how much of this is really intentional as well. But I was having a little bit of a discussion oh, with true, about this the other day, is because I am often of the opinion people read too much into stuff, especially art and I mean media in yeah. general. Like you can have an entire college a semester or you know degrees these days dedicated to like picking something apart to the nth degree and you of course you will interpret it in 20 different ways doesn't mean that was the intention but then mm. marie always will have the point and i do actually agree with this i just always forget it that that's kind of the point of art like you can put yourself into it <laughs> okay to be picked apart you can interpret it differently. Oh, I see. And whilst oh, the author, the composer, the whoever, you know, that created the art can stand oh. on a pedestal and say, actually, you're wrong. My intention was this. It doesn't have to take away someone's reading of it. So if someone looked at this and saw queer allegories, great, they exist. Yeah, exactly. Yes, they exist. They are part of the work, whether it was part of the original yeah intention or not oh my god score one to marie and nil to the entire <laughs> rest of the world well done marie yes anyway fifi we've been trying to get out of this topic and go on to fifi <laughs> yeah you wanted to talk about fifi I've... let's talk fifi <laughs> let's go to something equally as profound as the weird dog monster i think i want to hear your opinion on fifi i've been <laughs> hogging this mic far too much come on you haven't and please hog on i however love fifi <laughs> it's a beautiful prop fifi is a it's like the actual prop the actual doll or puppet rather is Stonesville. I really like it. I like that it exists in different fora. We get to see it in a cage. We get to see it being petted in someone's lap, a la Blofeld. 
and we get to see it scurrying around yeah. the sewers. Excellent stuff. Fifi is the only henchman or henchwoman, hench pup <laughs> with an arc. Okay. <laughs> Fifi has more of an arc than the Candyman. What arc does Fifi have? <laughs> well, it starts in life. <laughs> And it culminates in death, which I know can be said about Candyman as well. Wait, hang on. I'm making this up on the spot. All right. So Fifi also. (laughs) I'm just going to let you dig this hole. No. Okay, fine. So I was talking out of my ass, but. (laughs) No, Fifi is great. I like it as a prop and. I'm really pleased with the fact that we get to see a fake dog as opposed to a dog with a fake horn on it, which we have seen and which we've discussed okay. in the past as well. Yeah. I would. It's a nice prop. Yeah, I would agree. I'm glad. As also as a I'd symbolic like, thing. I'm oh, glad sorry, it is not a so, dog sorry, with that? a thing stuck to it. Can agree on that. Sure. Also, as we were saying just a moment ago, Fifi embodies at least the attempted moral lesson, the ethical lesson experienced yes. by Helen A. The Candyman does not. The Candyman is just, I'm the Candyman. I work in a bakery. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Why is it decked out? Of, why are you made out of licorice? I hate licorice. That's the that, that's you, the you sum total of the Candyman's why uh, when contribution here. So much of you is made of What's hard that? licorice or something else. Are your feet made of marshmallow? Fuck you, Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Candyman. Yeah. That's really dumb. It's really, really dumb. The whole concept behind the Candyman is, it angers me. It angers me on, on so many levels. I hate licorice. I am, Do you like licorice? Are I you a licorice eater? <laughs> oh, well, you're my friend who doesn't agree with me. Licorice is the flavor <laughs> of racism and broken dreams. Licorice is horrible. I would have second thoughts about subjecting my worst enemies to it. I hate licorice. Licorice can eat my whole ass. And every time I've accidentally eaten licorice, that's what I've thought I've been eating. It is horrible. It is a the worst possible thing. Why would you make a person out of it? It's a robot. Oh, what are we going to Like a Terminator reboot. It has the T-100 or T-200 or whatever. It has that skeleton inside. But on the outside, it's like biological flesh on metal alloy skeleton, whatever the line is. And it's fucking... <laughs> Sweets. No, I was okay. say, we were talking we were about, Fifi, talk about yeah. Fifi, and I'm just angry at the fact that there's such a thing as licorice. Suddenly, just hit <laughs> the sorest point Leon has with this cereal. <laughs> oh, I hate licorice so much. I absolutely hate it. I grew up in Sweden, right? Sweden has an unnatural fascination with licorice. I am half Finnish. My mum is from Finland. Finland has an (laughs) unnatural fascination with licorice. Salted licorice in particular, which is just like spraying salt in someone's wounds. And in this case, the wound is in my soul. It is... No, fuck you, Candyman, and this entire cereal for subjecting me. Anyway, yeah, so Fifi is a very nice prop. Wait, no, you've got to rant. I'm going to interrupt and, you. Um, because I'm so sorry. Fifi please. is a yeah, nice yeah, please. prop if it sits in the corner and doesn't move, because that's all it's capable of doing. It's not a nice enough prop. Well, then they did something else, and it was dark and blurry. And yeah, that was fine. Like, that was not the same prop. (laughs) (laughs) It was 
drooling. It was, it, I think it was drooling or possibly they had put some kind of liquid on its teeth uh-huh. when it was in the sewers. You know that scene where, actually, please explain the scene to me. You know that scene where Doc goes to a random <laughs> yeah. blues harmonica player, Earl, Hey, can you play an A minor? No, play a C, play a whatever it is, D major. And we cut between him playing that and Fifi. Fifi is like foaming at the mouth. It's pretty, (laughs) it's pretty sexy. (laughs) It's an awesome scene. Yeah, I can't explain it. Apparently, Fifi will just howl if you give it a note and it will howl that note. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just... Did you grow up with a dog? No, I've never had at a any dog. Point? Always been cats. I had a dog when I was a kid, or we had a dog when I was a kid. And whenever there was, for example, a siren in the uh, background, okay. she would howl. And this is incredibly Ooh. realistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so well done, Fifi. Anyway, I feel like maybe we've exhausted the symbology of, or symbolism, one of those two, ask the Boondock Saints, of Fifi. Anything else about Fifi, or shall I just, we segue uh, well, to another I have character? to finish this and just say, you're wrong. The puppet isn't good enough. Yeah. Not for the amount of screen time oh. this, this the character gets. Okay. <laughs> the amount of close-ups <laughs> this character gets. I mean, we live in a world <laughs> where Muppets exist. Like, you yeah. could have done a lot more control yeah. just with someone, you know, hand <laughs> up a fabric thing. And they didn't leave... Oh, yeah. Anyway, no. This this actually angers me a bit. Like, it's just... Oh, someone can... Say, because this wow. this is another thing that is recurring in these serials. Yeah, it is. This is your licorice. <laughs> because we had it with, like, the bat people in Time of the Rani. I don't know. They have con- they've worked out how to construct really good looking, like not even prosthetics, just an entire molded alien looking thing, a new creature. Yeah. But absolutely. They don't know how to make but. them move. It's just, it comes out <laughs> of a mold, boom, there we go. Right. And they look yeah. a lot better. <laughs> they just don't look as good as they need to if you're going to interact with them close up as if it's meant to be a living animal. There we go. Yeah, I can't I can't fault you for that assessment. That's absolutely true. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we can segue on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shall we segue to Earl? Please explain to me Earl. Wait, who's Earl? <laughs> Earl is the medical student who is a blues harmonica player. Oh, right. I never got his name. He's American. Okay. Earl. Earl's, Earl's Sigma. Earl. I think so. Wait, he's another Sigma? Yeah, you're a Sigma if oh, you're right. from off-world. If you're not from this planet, you are. your surname is just automatically Sigma because that's an easier way <laughs> yeah. to identify someone than to just append yeah. it to your actual surname. What if there are two, let's say, Johns <laughs> from, from off-world? You're yeah. both John Sigma. Which one's which? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, Earl. Yeah. Yeah. Explain. Who, who is this guy? No. <laughs> Can't. It just seems so odd to me. He's American, which I guess, which is, actually, I, I'm very guilty of this. If I see someone who is American, like genuinely American, or who at least sounds genuinely American in a BBC show from this era, 
I automatically think, yeah, they're pretty cool. But it also solidifies him as kind of a foreign exchange student because he has a different accent. He speaks, he's an American. He's from not just across the pond, but across the pond and a solar system, (laughs) wherever, you know, wherever Earth is in relation to this place. But he is a medical student who is presumably there, you know, legally, yet he spends his entire time playing the (laughs) harmonica, wandering around the streets by himself. Why is he not in a hospital or a university or in student halls? Does he not have an address? Why is he like what 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 is up with this character? I mean, I have no idea. I actually didn't even note down that he was a medical student. I had no idea what his No, no, you're you're absolutely I'm, right. Oh, I'm sure I am not making that up. I just didn't up. know what his backstory was at all. I just knew he didn't come from this planet. He turned up for some reason. Which isn't clear, is it? I don't think it is clear. Also, saying that he is a medical student is an oddly specific thing to do if you're not going to give him any opportunity to practice those skills. He doesn't heal anyone. He doesn't diagnose anyone. So, yeah, uh, it should have just been a a music student. (laughs) And then it would have... Yeah, he should have been on tour. Bing bong, future Leon here. Just to clarify before anyone writes in, he is a psych student. Uh, Actually, the line goes as follows. I'm really a medical student, fifth year post-med psychology. And it dawns on me actually now as I record this future me, he does actually sort of provide a diagnosis down in the caves with Doc, but that's uh, not enough in my book. Anyway, all right, back to the show. Bing bong. I found the line actually. He said, I'm on vacation, paid my way with music, and I sort of got stuck here. That's the explanation we get. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Well, that still doesn't answer any of the myriad questions I have about this character. It seems he's on a gap I like the here. character. And so, somehow. Oh, he's on his gap, you know. Went to, oh, went to Alf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a no, gap, no, gap here? <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> not making any sense. Sorry, podcast okay. land. This is not good <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> okay, I have a different okay. question about Earl. Yeah. I haven't quite formed the answer myself. Let's hear it. But, okay, is Earl uh-huh. a racist caricature? There was one particular scene that made me think, hmm. I know it's not openly or blatantly so, but it kind of feels like someone at the BBC maybe only thinks in stereotypes, archetypes. And that was, it's not a racist scene as such, but their goodbye, Doc's and Earl's goodbye, is he shakes hands with everyone, and then when he goes to Earl, they have like a really elaborate handshake kind of high-five fist bump moment. It's like, okay, I don't know if, if you, BBC, are trying to be really hip with the black community, or if you're saying, this guy is a musician, a blues musician, no less. Yeah, he's cool, and so is Doc, so they somehow, you know, th- there's an unspoken language between them, there's like an unspoken understanding between them, they just resonate, they jive, if you will. It is, I don't know, it did feel really... It felt yeah. like it was written by a this, white dude. This is the exact point. scene that is yeah. probably forming most of this question. And I'm kind of in the same, yeah, throwing the same ideas around my head that you can explain it as, well, he's a jazz musician. Doc might behave differently towards a jazz musician. But it's just, sorry, blues. Sure, blues. Apologies. Of course, very clearly blues. <laughs> How dare you? Whole, very different music. Whole yeah. point, and I assume <laughs> a, a not unintentional nod to the fact that the TARDIS is blue. 
and so they're bringing the blues back anyway. I was going to say, yes, I love that. <laughs> but, you know, this is a trope and it's not even just like a film and TV trope. It's a real life trope that comedians love to pick up on as well, that white guys interact with African-American men and they immediately flipped to a different type of speech and a different type of behavior. And oh wait, hang on, I missed that. Does Doc even adopt? Oh, I don't know. A I don't know if that it happens, but you know that's that's the trope, and this is maybe the watered down version of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I know exactly Basically, what you mean. Yeah. You know, tr- trying to be street or yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's obviously a very American thing. We, yes, exactly. I don't yeah. think we had have it in the UK or you know other parts of Europe, not to the same level anyway, where you could immediately identify it. But it feels like that. That's the problem. There's no kind of like these are two no, you're right. musicians yeah, who no, are you're, you're absolutely like right. interacting as they would do naturally. This is Doc, who is a bit awkward yeah. and eccentric, and <laughs> yeah, obviously incredibly genius in various ways, including music, probably despite the poor singing quality of McCoy. <laughs> well, we do get to see him play yes. the spoons. Yes, but we also yes. get to hear him sing, and when we get to hear him sing. It's a little bit like when you hear William <laughs> Shatner sing, you know? <laughs> so, like, that's not really music, is it? You're just a sci-fi legend <laughs> who's speaking into a microphone. And have having him, therefore, equated with this other... I mean, his character, Earl's character, is a musician. Yeah, it's not the same thing. Dude, I don't know what to say about this. I get, I absolutely get what you're saying. I felt very much the same way. It feels really awkward and inappropriate. It feels like a bunch of white yeah. dudes said, let's have our protagonists really know how to do, you know, really be hip with the lingo of this insert yeah. minority here. And in this case, it happened to be a black guy who plays the I harmonica. think the thing I can basically settle down on is it's 1988. Probably, actually, this was progressive. It's good yeah. representation. And yeah. people would write it differently today. Certainly. Comparing this to past roles that the BBC has afforded black actors on Doctor Who, this is actually a huge leap forward. <laughs> there have been... I feel like this was not too long ago. We just had guys on screen without shirts on and zero lines. Oh, that was with Sill, wasn't it? I was just going to say, yeah. Didn't he have bodyguards or butlers or i mean i hesitate to use the word slaves potentially yeah just carrying him around and they were not wearing shirts or at least very little and they had not a single word between them yep so this might actually be a step forward then i anyway that we are not keeping up with the happy yeah thing that i was asked to deliver <laughs> no let's go back to happies yeah let, let's absolutely i get back can to the give you two happies i think in this Let's hear both. They go of them, by the please. names of Doc and Ace. I have have you know? <laughs> <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> All right, well, kick us off. I am seriously enjoying the seventh doctor. I think there was mm-hmm. a bit of a wavery start, but McCoy with a decent okay. okay, maybe not decent script, but a script that is giving the doctor stuff to do and showing <laughs> progress yep. and not just, you know, being along for the ride. Yeah, he delivers stuff masterfully and is very entertaining. Oh, very interesting. Very entertaining, you say? Okay. I mean, overall, I probably agree with you. Would you say there are no points in this serial where either he or his character, even a teeny tiny bit, uh, 
Well, I did, I did have one little question for you, and then I can try and recite it right now. What, what's the question? <laughs> I wrote this. Oh, after the incident with the sniper, which we can unpack a little bit if you want. Oh, but right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, it is a great scene. Great scene. But my question I wrote down after that scene was, and this had been building over the serial, is Doc being a bit too aggressive and too careless with his life? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think there's a tendency across all of McCoy's era, at least to date, of wanting to make him really dark. Like, this is the Chris Nolan's Batman of Doctor Who, where (laughs) the last time we had a McCoy serial, he was going ashes to ashes, dust to dust, with a dead Dalek that he had just talked to death. Here, he walks up to a soldier and goes, yeah, yeah, fucking pull the trigger, you dick. Murder me, you absolute (laughs) bastards. Direct quote from the script, by the way. Yeah, I think he's trying to be a little too dark. I don't know if he's necessarily careless with his life because it seems as though this doctor also cannot fail. I just don't buy any kind of peril with this doctor. In the past, if the doctor walked up to someone and, and they were pointing a laser blaster at their chest... I would figure, well, that doctor would probably just do a clever and get out of it. Here, the doctor is going to tempt fate, and fate just isn't up to the task. Fate's that gone seems on to hard. be the McCoy shtick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Interesting. I think I probably actually agree with you, and maybe, yeah, maybe that, yeah, doesn't make it careless. But I guess it's just the arrogance and aggressiveness that is leading up to that. So it doesn't doesn't have to be explained as careless, but it's. it's yeah. yeah, it's just, I know that fate's on holiday, so I'm going to stand here, look down the barrel of your gun and tell you to shoot me. But you won't, will you? Because you're not sniping me from across the room anymore. You now have to deal with the consequences right up in your face, pal. And you're not going to do that, are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, another soundbite. That's two soundbites this episode. This feels to me like a prototype scene for a scene that we see a little bit later on in the serial, in part three, I think, where Mm. Doc goes up on stage, maybe the audition stage, I'm not sure, and he's just fake laughing, and he knows that everyone is training a gun at him, but he just goes, oh, no, if I fake laugh, then you can't shoot me. There's something inside you that tells you you can't shoot me. He's like, no, you don't don't know that, Doc. You you legitimately are clueless about this. You have no idea what's going to happen. The fact that you're there, you've let the bad guys arrive, means you are now Donsville. But he can act entirely contrary to rationale in that scene. And I think that's what he does with the sniper in the scene that you brought up. Like He walks up to the sniper. The sniper preceding that moment has basically said, all I want to do is shoot someone. Like the women who are members of the Happiness Patrol, they get better guns. This is the best gun I have but I really want to use it. I really, really want to blast someone to smithereens with it. And the second he gets a chance to do it, Doc gets away scot-free. So, yeah. yeah. There's a naivete to the episode, yeah. which is embodied in both of those scenes, I think. Weirdly, I liked the sniper scene, and I didn't really like the crowded stage scene. 
I think because the logic just yeah, didn't with you on that. hold. We've literally experienced multiple occasions in this serial up to this point where you have the undercover agent that is entrapping people to be sad and then immediately, huh, I caught you being sad. It doesn't yeah. matter what you do now. You were sad. Ergo, you're dead. So the I'm smiling now yeah. trick shouldn't ever work. And that's that's Doc's entire hand. Yeah, it's a bit weak. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, the undercover agent also gets blasted to smithereens just because in one particular moment, he is dismayed. I mean, it happens to the Happiness Patrol themselves right afterwards. You know, some of them are disappointed that Doc is up there and they can't shoot him and they know he's going to get away. And so one of theirs turns turns on them because they're all looking a bit sad. You know, it's... The whole logic of the society, you know, kind of folds in a bit. But maybe that's the point as well. I don't know. Maybe when it is this extreme, you can't obviously hold it to an absolute because it doesn't work. (laughs) Maybe it's all a bit meta commentary, you know, that their society doesn't hold true to its own values because it can't. And so it's fine. It doesn't matter. And Doc always knew that would be the case. (laughs) Okay, since we're talking about stuff that isn't really fully fleshed out in this serial, can we talk rat people? <laughs> we can try. <laughs> yeah. So you settled, <laughs> settled on them being rats. They looked rat-ish, and that concerned me. <laughs> that, yeah, that we had rat people. That's a thing. Okay. Well, they're definitely yeah. rodent-like, right? And I wonder if part of the shtick is they've got massive front teeth. They're rats, or they're rodents, so they've got gigantic front teeth. And the bad guy's henchman is made of candy. So they are the antithesis of <laughs> that bad guy's henchman in that they are mostly teeth. Possibly. I may be reading too much into this. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, you know what? Fine. I'll, I'll start us off, but then I fully expect you to elucidate me on this point. Before Terra Alpha was Terra Alpha, it was inhabited by these rat dudes. Humans showed up, colonized the planet, forced those rat dudes underground. Now we're in the future. Mankind has a shit totalitarian society on this planet. The rat dudes, they're malnourished, I believe we're told at some points. So they're set up as the people who, if we're going to see a standard arc for them, they are going to reclaim their homeworld. At the very least, they will become equals with the people who currently live on the surface. They will no longer be relegated to living in the sewers. They are, well, what's his name? Something smiley from Demolition Man. At the end, in arc three, you better believe, bro, that he's going get, to get out of those sewers, no longer feast on rat burgers. He's going to be living it up, right? Under the sky. So... That's one thing they're set up to do. And number two, they are malnourished. They need to eat something. They need to, at some point in Act 3, they are going to be fed. They're going to have food, health, care, access, yada, 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 you know? We get neither. At the end of this serial, happy ending, no pun intended, but happy ending involves the rat people still relegated to the sewers. Isn't that weird? Isn't Isn't that just wrong yeah this is their land i think you have a very good point like you've summed up their plight very well and at the end i really lost track of what happened to them i think you're right because at the end i actually wrote a note which i quite like that ace is always getting a moment at the end of these serials to show concern for this this plight of the people that they've been around before they leave because so often in classic 
who we just get the okay, let's head off in Matardis. And they don't speak to anyone. They don't say goodbye. <laughs> they don't reflect on the fact that everyone got killed yep. or anything like that. It's just straight in Matardis, off to the new thing. Whereas yep. it seems like <laughs> this is now second time, maybe more, that Ace has a little moment with Doc of just like, oh, are they going to be all right, Professor? Or we did good here, didn't we? You know, and just like a little bit of self-reflection or worry for the people. But then, yeah, I was too fixated on that. Like, are they okay? What What is left now? <laughs> I don't think we find out. I think we completely neglect the the rat people. I'm sure they have a name, by the way. The original Terra Alphans. Instead, what we get to see as a moral resolution is Earl, with his arm slung over the shoulders yeah. of one of the pink wigs, walking off into the sunset. So we know, okay, there's no more hostility between the Happiness Patrol and the people whose art that is in some way melancholy. Great. Good. Oh, I'm very glad to hear that. But that's not the only group of people yeah. who are suffering a plight of some sort in this serial. Absolutely not. I mean, basically, they've gone in and destabilized everything and then just walked away. Because <laughs> the Happiness Patrol, Helen yeah. A, were everything. Just Wait, what happens to Helen on the floor. A? I think that's the last time we saw her, wasn't it? <laughs> that seems like a... Floor? <laughs> <laughs> a, an appropriate judicial... <laughs> consequence <laughs> oh we were gonna put you in jail but your dog died fine whatever <laughs> and you've learned your lesson so stop Helena. crying and listen to me <laughs> yeah i'm very skeptical about this dude although may you may have talked me up a little bit about this hero actually over the past whatever it is hour and a half but holy smokes <laughs> okay what what else do skeptical. i have i had a nice note about ace when we first meet the Happiness Patrol, people says, can't you afford a, afford a real gun? Because the guns just look like playthings. And the patrol <laughs> would immediately shoot something. <laughs> and it explodes quite dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice line. Super nice line. Here's another nice line. If we're doing nice lines, it's Doc and Earl chatting with each other. Doc goes, how would you describe the Candyman's confection? Earl goes, it can only be the work of a schizophrenic obsessive. And Doc <laughs> says, oh, yes, nice. delicious. I actually haven't written down a lot of lines. You know what? I don't actually have that many kind of... <laughs> thumbs up either but there was i love that doc picks up a photo album that the that lna has of just her and fifi that's <laughs> just what oh yes no <laughs> not a single picture of her partner and doc says that ace's talent is making things disappear also known as blowing shit up <laughs> yeah <laughs> Were you a little disappointed that we didn't get to see what the auditions were about? Yes. Because that's what that, that's the context of the what's her I talent mean, kind of thing. If it was just going to be a talent show and if you're shit, they shoot you, then I'm okay with not seeing it. And I think that's what it was heavily suggested to be, but I wasn't 100% sure. Okay, so, okay, I've got a couple of questions for you. Helena A, who rules over this society... She has imposed these laws and she directs the actions, the very hostile, lethal actions of the Happiness Patrol. She is under audit. Oh, yeah. There is a dude who is taking a census or whatever, and he's auditing everything about this society. And it seems as though it seems as though she has to keep certain aspects of her rule, of her government, yeah. kind of under wraps, right? She can't tell this census taker, yeah, it's... I murder people. That's why there we're super happy and why you're getting positive Missing. Scores. Nobody murdered. <laughs> exactly. So why, how can you say that or do that or try that, yet publicly have executions 
Galactic politics, man. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the audit guy felt very threatened by her. So, you know, there are are systems, there are games, there are rules to play, you know. Right. Rules to the games. Sure. Play the games. Don't play the games. (laughs) 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 It's fine. We all got it. Okay. Here's another thing that I kind of liked Doc turning the tables on the interrogator, the undercover agent. Actually, you know what? I don't know if it's the undercover agent. It's the guy who, maybe this is the census census taker, who's who's like, oh, What's your name? No, I can't. No, don't ask me yeah. my name. That's classified or whatever. And Doc very quickly, just by saying, actually, that's classified. What's your name? <laughs> Turns the tables and totally NLP is. I did NLP quite like it. I also like didn't know if this is the second time we've seen it and suddenly it's one too many. Oh. oh I've forgotten the serial it happened in, but he did it before with a guard who had the rule book. I think it must have been Paradise Towers. And they're following these rules you know, to the letter, and then he asked for the rule book and then used yeah. it against him. But actually, no, wait, no, it wasn't even that. You're right, was, that is exactly where it was. He's being, he is being interrogated by the lead guy there, and then he just, like, spins the light round. He does, he literally oh, yeah, flips the right. interrogation. <laughs> Which, I don't know, I think it's a nice thing if it's happening of just, like, Doc can make people question what their intentions are or question, you know, which side they're on or this this kind of thing. You know, just out-intellecting people. That's good. Doing it the exact same way, mm, not so sure about. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Right, is there anything else we need to discuss and dissect about this serial or shall we maybe try to rate this in some way? Let's rate it. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Well, here we are at yes. the Arminies section. I'm oh, yeah. saying this because I lost the fingertip <laughs> on tip of nose game. You did. We came out of our recording break and new recording session. There is Leon, face to camera, finger on tip of nose. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is me. Well, you're going a gentleman first. to concede. <laughs> Yes, I enjoyed watching this serial. I think it had a vibe about it that I was happy to vibe along with. Mm, (laughs) And I can't actually fully justify a lot of the positive feeling from it, to be fair. We didn't have a super positive review just now. It was all over the shop. (laughs) But you know what it was? It was interesting. It got me Mm. thinking and it got us talking. And Mm. I think that's a sign of something. (laughs) I'm not quite (laughs) sure what, but I am choosing to make it a positive sign. And we were, I think we were fair to say that this isn't, you know, a deep satire or even a, a competent satire. It doesn't necessarily deliver on the goals that it should do. But it's saying, you know, something along the lines of you can't obviously force people to be happy. And this is a scenario that could happen if you did in almost kind of Black Mirror-esque, but not as intellectually and solidly performed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So this is maybe the thing we didn't talk about earlier. It came to me in hindsight. It's like... Yeah, you don't have to necessarily go too deep with these things. It can be at least just a thought experiment of, oh, what would happen if you had a society where someone decided everyone has to be happy? This is it. And, you know, with that simple premise, it worked pretty well. Yeah. Um, that said, we have lots of ups and downs in this era. We have the Candyman that is absolutely creepy and bonkers. I don't know who came up with this. Someone's brain birthed this Bertie Bassett 
bonkers, bombastic, bombastic even. Can I get another B in here? No, I don't think I can. Damn it. Ash and ballyhoo. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it happened. It has no place in this serial, this creature, this creation, this thing. Yeah, I don't know why there's a, a sweets thing in this serial. But it's creepy. Yeah, it's fine. Same thing kind of for different reasons. Like Earl is in this serial. Earl is nice enough. He plays the harmonica quite well. He's American, apparently. Whatever that means in the context of us being on a different planet, a different Earth colony. Don't know. Also kind of has no place in this serial. It's weird. That setup is weird. It doesn't really make sense. Mm. It just seems to be there to make these weird references to blues and yeah i don't know the rat people don't add a lot either i think you nailed it completely leon the the fact that they don't get the conclusion to the story the arc the fulfillment that you would normally get in this kind of you know occupation of an indigenous species and yeah their comeuppance no not their comeuppance you know the comeuppance of the occupiers and you know the indigenous species should triumph and get its planet back and we don't even get a whiff of that But also, they don't really deliver anything to the plot. There are a couple of scenes where they kind of help people, but they could have just not been there. There are scenes where they pull levers and the Candyman gets flushed, but someone else could have done that. You know, it just... Yeah. I think maybe... How do they know which levers to pull? Yeah, I have no idea. And why? Like, why are they that sadistic all of a sudden? Why aren't they just going around trying to feed themselves if they're malnourished and stuff? I don't know. Lots of underdeveloped things because there are too many things is probably what we have in this serial. But I do love that it was a super strong female-led cast. I also kind of loved I recognized a lot of the people or the actors in this. I don't really know Mm. them from stuff but like Sheila Hancock is definitely a big name. Even some of the Happiness Patrol people, one lady was called Leslie Dunlop. I definitely recognize her. She's she's the one that helps Ace and kind of turns to the good side, as it were. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even, even I think, a couple of the Killjoys, like the two that we see interacting at the end. So the guy that's with Helen A and the guy that's with Bertie Bassett, both of them look vaguely familiar. I can imagine they're a bit part character actors that have cropped up in various things. I don't know. It just had, a. I think, part of that maybe luring me into a sense of, you know, false comfort. It was just like, oh, I know these people. I recognize this. This is friendly and warm and happy. <laughs> Irony intended. But I think you did pick up a big flaw with this serial. And I can't get out of my head of just, it happens a lot in Doctor Who, but there is a real question of what happens next. Like, who is now running the show on this planet? Who's leading? It doesn't seem like the rat people have got any more autonomy or anything. Maybe they will eventually, who knows? But we also have this galactic presence or whatever it is. Maybe it's Mother Earth presence of the auditor being here, like checking everything's going okay. Do they care that this entire planet has just been destabilized? They probably do. Maybe they're going to send some troops to get things back into order. Or who knows? Like, Doc doesn't seem to know or care. It's just like, yeah, they'll be fine. Let's fuck off now, Ace. Which, I don't know. I'm not, yeah, my notes are a bit all over the place. I haven't even mentioned Doc and Ace, but we've said stuff about them. I think Doc was an interesting portrayal on this serial. Question mark over some of the you know, audacity of just, yeah, I'm going to go into this situation and I'll be absolutely fine and dandy because that's the way the script has been written. 
Ace, I'm still enjoying immensely. Didn't have as big a part in this serial, which was a bit of a shame, but I think she did a good job. I Would You Believe This came out of watching the oh, last God. episode, and yeah. I wrote down a 3.8. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, 3.8. Yeah, that was just bonkers, me not really knowing how to settle this in my head. Oh, I see. Okay. Immediately after we were talking, I bumped that down to a 3.6, and I ended up with a 3.3. Wow. Wow. Okay. 3.3. That is, I gotta say, evidence of your huge heart, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fantastic, Minnie. Good stuff. Wow. You went on a journey with this one. Oh, yeah. That's, That's quite something, I gotta say. Okay. I don't know how to follow that. All right. Here we go. I followed my standards, mini structure, dog, companion, whatever, blah, 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 bullet points. Here we go. Buster McCoy is... Thoroughly leaning into this episode or this serial. And that's great. Absolutely great. But perhaps I'm just not creative enough. But I cannot imagine that Sylvester McCoy doesn't realize just how utterly shit this serial is. And I use that as an argument to his credit. Well done, Sly, for acting super (laughs) well in a serial that, were it a pencil, I would deliberately walk around all day with it stuck in the crack of my butt. Ace also great when she gets to be anything, but I feel like she doesn't really get quite as much of an opportunity to act in this one compared to the last one, compared to the the last ones, the last two. I mean, she's really only, this is her third time, right? Except in this one, she gets to lob a grenade. She shouts Gordon Bennett's. She gets to be generally contrarian, which is on point, I admit, but it could have been further explored. She was originally set up as this pseudo-anarchical companion, so surely this should be her time to shine. And I feel like it's a missed opportunity. Speaking of, Earl, yeah, massive missed opportunity. We talked about this. He's a medical student. Have him treat someone. Have him diagnose someone. Have him offer the care that this society otherwise denies its population to show them that, you know what, perhaps there's an alternative to the cold Thatcherian despot at their helm. Where to next? Candyman, that's where. Fuck that guy. Licorice is legitimately the tool of the devil. Scientifically proven to be the ethical equivalent of a kick in the balls. I hate him. (laughs) Hate him. Really, though, here is why I hate him. He is one gigantic missed opportunity. I wonder if you can see a pattern here. He makes sweets that kill people, you say. Great, can we see that happen? Nope. Is there anything else themed around sweets? Nope. He has a symbiotic relationship with what's his name? Bertrand P? Can't remember his name. Can we find out how or why? Nope. In fact, you know what? Does anyone in this society even know that he exists? Don't think so. Yet, somehow, Doc and Earl repeatedly find the candy kitchen. How? I don't know. There are some, it's probably fair to say, good intentions behind this serial. I have no doubt about that. A society that penalizes despondency? That sounds interesting. Even now, in hindsight, having seen this massive dumpster fire, that that is intriguing to me. Thatcher's gay husband wants to run away with a cook's apprentice? Sure, I'm totally on board. How did this entire political system come to be, though? We never explore any of it. Huge problem for me here, by the way. This is something that I can't believe we didn't pick this apart. Is that we never get to meet any members of the population that is subjugated by that governance. Like, we get to see the people wearing masks going on a demonstration. But that's it. That's that's the population. We, Aside from that, it's just, like, empty streets. We did see her, and she got killed. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. She yes, sits exactly. on the bench at the start. That was yeah. it. That, she was really the last sad. one. 
Great, that's it. <laughs> so basically, this is a government governing itself. <laughs> yeah. But there's lots to explore there, and we never explore it. Why does Thatcher make a phone call to a poker machine? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Why do they say, you know what, this isn't a prison. Let Doc and Ace escape in a go-kart. They do so, and then we never explore that aspect of their governance. Like... Oh, as long as you're not angry, because angry is kind of unhappiness, and therefore we can't really stop you. I feel like that was one of the undercurrents of that particular scene. Doc and Ace just escape. Like they steal their vehicle and drive off very slowly, and no one does anything about it, because that would be unhappy. But does that go anywhere? No. In fact, in general, what the shit is going on here? This three-part serial... I've, I'm really not liking this serial. I'm so sorry. I'm talking myself down. I've written down a score. I've already talked myself down from it. This three-part serial, I feel like it lacks a backstory and or substance to it. And at the end, at least the rat people are even bereft of a punchline. Production value is mostly okay, but like, are there no lights in this place? I don't know. To be fair, I did like the dog having a bandaged head after it was attacked by Nitro 9. Very cool. Greatest <laughs> assets, <laughs> good intentions, and fearlessness bordering on Doctor Who's awareness of its own mortality. Biggest flaw, pretty much everything about this serial. Main takeaway, my membership in the bad underscore movie underscore club may be questioned at this point. I've given it a rating of... Oh, fuck it, I've talked myself back up again. I've given it a rating of 1.9. Okay, that's not too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, okay, good stuff. Yeah, sorry for the anger. I really apologize. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Do not apologize. I think we need to find out what Podcast Land is thinking about this as well, though. My goodness, do we ever... (laughs) (laughs) Let's... Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Post credit sequence. Shazamatron, and welcome to the Listener Mini section of this podcast episode. Oh, wowee, you just heard a whole bumper little theme tune for this segment, but we've just tracked it right into it, Podcast Land. First three minis out the gates, red and full, snips, thenceforth. Who's first, Jim Cakes? Why, first up, we have got none other than Stephen Stephen from Canada. Canada. Hello, Stephen. Hello there, Stephen. Stephen starts. Can you just execute me? Because I was miserable the whole time watching this. (laughs) Nearly every character and event was unbearable and none of it really gelled together. The music and the creature effects slash costumes such as Fifi and those rat people were impressive. Other than that, there was little I actually liked. Though I could appreciate the attempt being made to try something unique. Overall, says Steven, this story earns 2.5 pretty decent harmonica solos out of 5. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Straight down the line. Yeah. Solid mini, Steven. People who are not Steven, you should absolutely go and... High five Steven online. He can be found at what now, Jim Cakes? S. Andre Etchen. <laughs> I feel like your accent gets better every time. <laughs> well, you mean more offensive. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> Thank you very much, I don't mean Steven. I just enjoy saying it that way. <laughs> I enjoy hearing it. <laughs> Steven, I'm assuming that you're Thank happy you, Steven. With Thank you very much. Who's next? Next up, we got Kieran of the Evans Variety. <laughs> what up, Kieran? Hello. Hello, Kieran. Kieran starts. Hi, folks. There's a weird artificiality to this story, which in another story would go against it. 
But here, I think it works. It fits the fakeness of Helena's world as an exaggerated view of the 80s where things are fairly shit, but you have to pretend they aren't. The subtext isn't particularly hidden with this one. Remember, this is firmly the era of Section 28, and we have two men going off together at the end. Mm, interesting. I don't know what Section 28 is, I have to admit. Section 28, I have heard about and then refreshed my mind, actually, because it was referenced in some of the trivia. Yeah, so from 1988 to 2000 in Scotland and 2003 in England, there were laws basically saying you could not teach and governments couldn't, like, publicise things that would mention homosexuality. Oh my god, what? Wait, hang on, wait, 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 wait. There was a don't say gay law here as well? Yep. Holy shit, I had no idea. That is deplorable. I, I also didn't really know. It kind of passed me by growing up in the UK, and I was astonished for how long it was in force. Oh my god. Like, to go through to the 21st century? Yeah, that is really, Jeepers. really... <laughs> it's recent, as in it's now. That is... That's horrible. Yeah. Oh, fuck society. Anyway, Kieran continues. <laughs> <laughs> Kieran does continue, but yeah, fuck that. Uh, yeah. Susan Q is played by Leslie Dunlop, who was Norma hmm. in Frontios, while Ooh. Trevor Sigma is John Normington, who was Morgus in the case of Andrzani. Ooh, the Morgus board. Yeah. Mm. The Candy Man is actually a really good creature with the OTT-ness fitting the rest of the story, even if it did get them in trouble with Bassets. McCoy is in good form, especially in the scene with the snipers. Ace blows stuff up, which is always good, though apparently forms friends very quickly. I think this one works well as a three-parter, though I did notice some jumps when re-watching. I suspect there are a few deleted scenes. There are some on the DVD. I think this adversely affects part one the most, especially the scenes with Ace and Susan Q. Kieran concludes, interesting music with the rather haunting harmonica setting the tone. The ending does seem a little quick, but I like that the Doctor doesn't need to do anything to Helen A. She defeats herself in many ways. And Kieran gives this an immensely generous 3.8 out of 5 red hot pokers through candy. Mm-mm-mm. Ooh, hi! Wow. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. Huge heart, Kieran. Excellent mini. Solid trivia in there as well. Good stuff. Dude Meister, the other day, I was really, really concerned about the environment. Just the other day? <laughs> Just the other day. <laughs> <laughs> It coincided with me having to move a lot of boxes from point A to point B. And I was thinking to myself, what kind of vehicle might I use for that? And where might I find such a vehicle? Could you elucidate me? I mean, absolutely. You need to get yourself an Evan and oh, yeah. head on over to KJ Evans, where they do terrific things twice. <laughs> Not just once, twice. <laughs> so in fact, it's KJ Evans 2. That's right. Yeah. For all your Ivan needs. Thank you very much, Kieran. <laughs> Thank you, Kieran. <laughs> Who's next? Next up is not Ollie Raven, because that it's... would be crazy. <laughs> it, it, it would be. I apologize if I am butchering this pronunciation. Perhaps you want to help me out, Jim Cakes, but Ollie Raven. I don't think I did that justice. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That, that's, it's, oh, I feel like I did that wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Raven, apologies. 
Can we just call you Raven? That's a cool name. Come on. That's a pretty badass <laughs> name. Anyway, Ollie Slash Off, she starts with what, Jim Cakes? Hello again. Hello. Hello. So, to the Happiness Patrol, then. Some terrific sets here. And indeed, a terrific setting. At long last, we get a makeover for the TARDIS exterior. Not by repairing the chameleon circuit, but simply with a new paint colour. I do so Ooh. adore the confectionery-based world wordplay in this one, too. Mm, yeah. A little too sugar-coated in my view, but fine. Okay, Mr. Raven continues. <laughs> I harbour similar sentiments towards the scene in which the Doctor calls an armed guard's bluff by daring him to use his weapon. I guess you can afford to be that badass when the worst case scenario is you'll end up lying on the floor for a few minutes and then wake up as that bloke from Withner and I. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Ace plus the rest of the incidental class are fine as well. I do enjoy the wanted poster cliffhanger. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. The Candyman is a fun and well-voiced character, yeah. but the realization of his design is just Bertie Bassett in practice, isn't it? I think so, yes. The other villain, Sheila Hancock, not Mrs. T and her animatronic pet, in contrast, fall slightly too far into OTT territory for my liking. What of the central conceit of having to pretend you're happy all the time? Yes, there are parallels with the political situation there, but the fact that the punishment is supposedly death exaggerates the satirical point being attempted a smidge too much for my liking. Plus, it couldn't be applied consistently across the whole story, else the tone would become grating. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Arshi continues, the extended scenes on the DVD allow the story a tad more room to breathe. Mm. The version of the serial as broadcast perhaps moves things a little too briskly at times. And overall, says Raven of the Arshi persuasion, <laughs> 3.1 pink-covered licorice and a seed sweets. Gross, <laughs> but a great <laughs> rating. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so very, very much. Very much. Please forgive our poor attempts at correctly pronouncing your name. <laughs> yes, absolutely. In fact, if you want to, please feel free to correct us in greater detail and we shall do our very, very best. Or, if you like, send us a soundbite of you pronouncing your own name. People who are not Ochi Raven can find Ochi Raven where? Foggy Doctor Who. Nice. Thank you very much, Ochi Raven. I feel so bad. I feel like we've just been butchering this name. Who's next? Next up, we're into Snips territory. And first of those is that awesome chap known as Andy Parkinson. What up, Andy? Greetings, Andy. Andy P. <laughs> Andy gave us some likes and beefs, which we're not reading. But we will say that Andy says, despite all its flaws, though, I do quite enjoy it. Just not as much as Michael Ridgway. Obs. <laughs> and awards this 3.1. Is fun a surprise a euphemism? Out of five. <laughs> nice. Thank you very much, Andy. People who are not Andy, head on over to the old Twitter sphere and follow Andy at Caffrey's What Chim Cakes? 71. That's right. Thank you very much, Andy. Who's next? Ooh, next up we have. JP! Also, J, you say pay! J! Hey! J! Pay! Yeah, yeah, that's right! <laughs> Your voice got a lot deeper for this one. <laughs> I never realized there was a tone that you got when you do this. <laughs> 
GP says, schnip, schnippity, schnip, 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 and concludes with a rating of 1.7. Build high for happy. Oh, wait. Happiness will prevail. Mostly because McCoy shows so many signs and has a chance to stretch his abilities. Ooh, dare I say, I. Nice one, GP. (laughs) Thank you very much. People who are not GP, head on over to Insta and the Tuberoonies and look for what, Jim Cakes? Finding cheese spots. Ooh, dare I say again. Hi. Nice one. <laughs> Thanks very much, GP. Who's last? Last up, it's none other than Michael. Michael Ridgeway. 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 <laughs> I love Michael. Hello there, Michael. Michael says, ah, I missed this one, so I'll just do a summary. Ooh. Five out of five, Killjoys force-fed deliciously deadly sweeties by a Bertie Bassett from hell. <laughs> nice. And he also adds, apparently, you can check out the funky remixes of the score on iTunes. Do you remember this having a score as such, Jim Keggs? No. Yeah, nor I, really. <laughs> but not the first mention of the music in Listener Miniland. Very interesting. Yeah, I... It was very oblivious to the music in this one, actually. Yeah, same. Thank you very much, Michael. People who are not Michael Ridgway, head on over to Twitter and follow Michael Ridgway online. He can be found at bad... Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. No more underscore. None whatsoever. Michael. Oh, so very, very big. Bordering on harassment, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, Michael. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you so much, everyone who sent in a mini for this podcast episode. Bing bong, future Leon here with uh, a few more listener mini snippages. And also, actually, before then, an introductory apology because we recorded this about two weeks before it drops today in about (laughs) an hour for me, (laughs) in fact. So, Apologies, podcast land, for the incredibly short notice and for not giving you more of an opportunity to send in your listener minis beforehand. In any case, here we go. Who's next? Why, it is none other than that absolute legend, Peter Zunich, the Zunmeister himself. Hello, Peter. Hope you're well. Uh, Peter says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and adds, if there's one thing to be said in all seriousness, it's that the acting was brilliant across the board. Bravo all. What a stage show. And despite all the plot holes and nonsensicals, Peter is not going to wait too long to watch it again and gives this 3.3 sweet Fifi surprises. Very, very nice. Ah, ooh, thank you very much, Peter. Oh, post-credit sequence, post-credit sequence. Who's next? Richie Blagg is who's next. Hello, Richie. Richie says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and concludes with, overall, I'll give this a four sugar avalanches, not the way I want to go, out of five. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You and me both, Richie. Uh, people who are not Richie... Say hi to Richie online. Richie can be found at Richie Sexington. Mm. Thank you very much, Richie. Who's next? Next up, we've got Isaac. Isaac in the house. Hello, Isaac. (laughs) Isaac says a whole bunch of mesmerizing stuff and concludes by saying that Sly and Ace speed us through a relentlessly weird and unsettling fever dream story that you can't focus on too hard, like watching someone else's headache. Really like that. Very nicely put. Um, Also, the TARDIS looks great in pink. I think I love it. 4.8 out of 5, say Isaac and his enormous heart. Fantastic stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, People who are not Isaac... Say hi to Isaac online at Ms. Monster Adams. That's Adams with one D. Thank you very much, Isaac. Who's last? Why, it's, say it with me, other me, Neil 
I'm Johnny. Hello, Neil. <laughs> Neil has sent across a very, very mini, mini, which he concludes by saying, how good is McCoy in the scene with the two snipers? Yeah, actually, in retrospect, pretty, pretty good, eh? <laughs> a cracking story, says Neil, with a sexy pink TARDIS. Hmm, a lot of sexy pink TARDISes here. And Neil gives this a rating of 3.8 out of 5. Very good stuff. Thank you very much, Neil. Um, peeps who are not Neil, fret not. You're going to be okay. You can still interact with Neil online. Neil can be found at Neil Andrazani and at Neil James Actor. All in one word for your convenience. Thank you very much, Neil. And thank you very much, everyone who sent something in. Again, really sorry for the short notice. <laughs> Post-credit sequence. Um, okay, bing bong, back to the show. Podcast Land, head on over to whobackone.com, read all of these minis in their full splendor. You would be fools not to. Yes, indeed. So that concludes our Happiness Patrol soiree. Cakes, Cake Boss, Cake Meister, I have had an absolutely fabulous time with you, as flippin' always. Thank you so much. Too, dude. Is this the last Isn't of he the nicest who, guy in the world, Podcast Land? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the very last of Doctor Who, though, or is there more to come? I, I'm pretty sure there's more to come. It wouldn't just end there. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, you bet your tight buns that would be ridiculous. There is more to come. Next up, we're going to be in New Who territory with the continuation of Flux with War of the Sontarans. Very exciting stuff. After which, I think we're back in Classic Who territory with what? Uh, we will be back in Classics with Silver Nemesis. And it, it oh, still just yeah. blows my brain that you're reviewing Flux right now. This is what... I know, it's mad. Rick- that <laughs> aired on TV just the other day, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Exactly. <laughs> Silver Nemesis audio. sounds exciting. I'm assuming Cybers. Yeah, audio. Good question. Right. Okay. Redacted. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and for bonus, well, it's a bonus. So just, uh, you know, keep your earballs peeled, podcast land. In the meantime, you can probably reach out to us online in one way or another. Cake Boss, where are you nowadays? Uh, you, can hi- you can find me hanging out on the Mastodons. I can be oh, found yeah. at jimmy at thewhatnow.eu. Nice. Excellent branding. Mm-mm. You can find me as well, ish. I am on Twitter, as of this recording anyway, at ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. But you can also, please, 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 in fact, feel free to reach out to us collectively at who back when, all in one word, for your convenience. So convenient indeed. Podcast Land, thank you so much for listening. You have been an utterly, extravagantly wonderful audience, as you are always want to be. Please take care of one another. Be rad and excellent. Rock on and... Shut chow. See ya. What want to be ya? <laughs> Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. 
Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when? Quick is he's running away. Don't worry, Professor. I'll blow him up. No wait, Ace. Don't do it. If you do, it will be the end of us all. Oh no, it's too late. I already threw it. Okay, then it's the end of us all. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion of Doctor Who and the Creepy Hopscotch Girl. Coming up next... Are you keeping up appearances with Mrs. Brown Boy's young ones who live in the faulty towers on Coronation Street? But first, an advertisement from our sponsor. Hi. While you kick back on the couch, watching the tube with your Zoommeister brow, I'd like to tell you about Sylvester. Sylvester is a Doctor Who gets around a lot. Unfortunately, he's getting tired of paying those explosive prices for his roadside adventures. That's why he's harnessing the power of tomorrow's Eye of Harmony today. Yes, that's right, he's ditching fossil fuels and getting his next ride at KJE Vans. Yes, Sylvester knows that an electronic van is just the thing for gallivanting around the universe with a 16-year-old. He's running from the police box in favor of his very own Evan, and you should too. Not convinced? Listen to these testimonials. Michael loves his Evans and takes it on the Ridgeway whenever he can. Steven says he's willing to have one specially imported all the way over in Canada. Kristaps parked his near the paddock, and now all the horses are jealous. Andy Parkinson in the garage because he loves it so much he doesn't want to leave it outside. Tracy from America rates her Evan a blue moon on a Tuesday evening during the solstice. Tan says if anyone cuts him off in his Evan, he'll give him six fingers. That's right, Ed is tossing out his bottle of Corbet, ditching his sporty Corbett, and heading on over to buy one of those Evans. Kieran loves his so much, he's buying two. Neil drove his all the way to the caves of Antrazani. And Mr. Haynes says he's giving up every last GP just so he can buy an Evan for his business. Go and see your Evans dealer today. Come in and meet Leon, our general manager, who will give you a kablamo of a good deal. Ask him about the new Evan with the Shazamatron transmission. Tell him it was Jimmy the Who sent you, and you will get a free subscription to the Doctor Who podcast of the century. Use code WHOBACKWHEN and leave a mini-review of your Eban experience for a chance to have your name read out loud on the show. This deal is getting out of hand, because if you order now, you'll get your Eban for a max of $2.50. That's right, we're snip-snippity-snip-snip-snipping the prices. Bing-bong, the updated secret code has become Jimmy the What now. Bing-bong. So what are you waiting for? Come on down! Don't you want to go environmentally conscious? Don't you want to be the envy of everyone on the block? Head on over to KJ Evans For all your Evan needs. This message sponsored by the Ministry of Funky Environmental Awareness.